Welcome to episode 449 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. Fuck, you know what? I forgot to turn my fans off again. Got to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome to episode 449 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, what do we got to talk about today? That outline, we're talking about the Google Pixel 7 event. And then the sidebar, we're going to be talking about campsite. We're going to talk about, well, maybe higher level. Like, how do you know when it's time to quit your job and start a new company? I don't know if I'm going to have a satisfying answer, but I'll do my best. That's over in the sidebar. But yeah, we got a packed outline. So Marshall... Let's just dig right in. First up, we have a new golden ratio supporter coming in hot support in the fam. It is Catch. Catch offers payroll and benefits for the self-employed. So all you freelancers out there, listen up. With Catch, you can automatically divvy up your income for taxes, retirement, and savings. You can find and save on health insurance. No slogging through government websites. They have a clean, mobile-friendly interface that makes it quick and straightforward to take care of the bothersome but critical tasks involved with being your own boss. And it's free. You can learn more at catch.co. Click the link in the show notes. That's catch.co. Hey. Thank you, Catch. Thanks, Catch. And it's free. It is free. Zero fees. All right. Cool. We have a ton of very important pixels as well. Hey. Yeah, look at that list. Hey. hey. You know what's funny, Marshall? You and I both say hey a Uh lot. But the other day... uh, I can't remember who, sorry. Someone joined the fam uh, on Patreon. And I message everybody that joins. I say like, hey, welcome to the fam. Super happy to have your support. And so I messaged someone. I was like, hey. And they replied and they thought it was you. They're like, oh, thanks, Marshall. I'm like, oh, this was actually Brian. And they said, oh, Marshall says a a lot. So I figured it was him. <laughs> You're stealing my catchphrase. But I'm like, what? I say a all the time. Yeah. Did uh, did I learn that from you? Maybe you learned it from me. Maybe we both just picked it up separately. I think we're just... Little mimetic monkeys learning from each other, Marshall. Anyways, hey, welcome to the fam. Hey. <laughs> okay, here we go. Shout outs to Joe Velasquez, MJ Yang, Jensen Dong, Cameron Deerdorf, Joyce Nee, Serge Kozlov, Peter Stasiak, Lai Jing Chu, Jesse Alvarez. Hey. Hey. Searing Yudon, Catalina de Leon Beloc, AC Ivory, Aaron Creechley. Maxime Coney, Betsy Cow, Ginny Wanfei Zhao, and last but not least, Anmal Kumar. Hey, Ooh. what a list. Ooh, what That's a, a list. long list. Like, uh, welcome to the fam. Enjoy the hot tub. Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know if we've clarified the hot tub reference in a while, but yeah. <laughs> yeah in, the water's warm, <laughs> uh, bubbling hot. Also, uh, I am bad at name pronunciation, but some folks message me ahead of time and say, like, hey, by the way, this is how my name's pronounced. I super appreciate those. Uh, and even if I still biff it, I'll, I'll try my best. So thanks, everybody, for dealing with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping the best take, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast. Every week, people from around the globe, worldwide, Ooh. join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month? Just $1 hair a month. You get access to bonus content. We call that bonus content the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. The sidebar is an extra episode to fill your ears in between all the times where you don't have us in your ears. <laughs> so if you want more design details, go to patreon.com slash design details and consider supporting us 
and coming on into that hot tub of good designed vibes. Once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. You know, and if you're hearing this, it's because you're not a, a Patreon supporter, but hopefully you appreciate that we do a unique pitch for Patreon every single <laughs> yeah, episode. pre-recorded. You know, uh, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. We, we could very easily just like pre-can a message and do it, but we do this fresh and hot off the presses every single time. There's a every formula, time. sure. You know, there's waypoints that we hit along the way, but you know, it's bespoke and custom for you each time. Hopefully, uh, you appreciate that even if, if you're uh-huh. not joining the hot tub. But I think what people might appreciate even more, if you're still listening to this, uh-huh. you could have not listened to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You won't hear the these anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the price to pay for becoming a patron. I mean, a buck a month, but also uh, (laughs) you don't get to hear our bespoke pitch every episode. Yeah. Yeah. How full of ourselves we are, Marshall. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Tiny bit of follow-up. So Ryan Jones tweeted something about the dynamic island that neither you nor I knew about, Marshall. Yeah. Okay. Can I preface this real quick? Yes. So one of the first things I did when I got the new phone was with no dynamic island content active, I tapped on the island to see where you know the tap touches would like actually trigger if there were any dead spots. Remember we we talked about the taint, etc. Turns out none whatsoever. There's you can tap anywhere on any part of the camera, anywhere on that dynamic island, and it will react. It'll it'll pop out a little bit to show you that oh, yeah, I I felt your tap. I saw that you're trying to interact with me, but nothing can happen, right? And that's as far as it went. I didn't try swiping on it. Didn't try doing anything. And then Brian, you sent me this tweet, and I was kind of blown away because usually I try every uh-huh. interaction on new uh-huh. stuff. I just play around with it. And I didn't do that here. And I would have probably found these interactions had I explored. So tell us what it is. Yeah, you can swipe the dynamic island, which I didn't realize you could do because I did the exact same thing as you. I tapped, I long pressed. But if you have two live activities, you can swipe the smaller one, the compact one into the dynamic island and they'll combine. If you have an expanded sort of dynamic island state, you can also swipe it inwards towards the center of the screen and it will collapse it even further. So for example, if you are listening to music, it will collapse the album artwork and the waveform into a single icon. I think it's just like a music note icon. Uh, Anyways, you can like swipe towards the center and away from the center to collapse and expand dynamic island live activity complications. I don't know what you call them. When they first showed this, I was like, well, while the dynamic island is available, you're sacrificing either like your cell signal or the focus or, you know, you're losing room on the left and right and some of those icons go away. And I was like, it seemed to be smart enough that if you're on Wi-Fi and not using cell, that it'll show the Wi-Fi. But if you're not on Wi-Fi, then it'll show the cell signal, right? Like, but if you need to see that, like, do you have to go into control center? Like, what's the workaround for that? And this is a great solution that I never thought of. Like, oh, you can just tuck it away. If it's bothering you, just swipe it closed and it's still there. You can bring it back, swipe it back out. But yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, we'll put the link to the tweet. In the show notes, but for everyone with an iPhone 14 Pro, swipe the island. All right, main topic, Marshall. The Google Pixel 7 event has happened. Indeed. In all transparency, I watched the 13-minute recap uh, from The Verge. I did not watch the whole thing, which gave me a very different impression of the event. Uh, so let's just go through it. Maybe we can start with some high-level notes about the event itself. I think we do this with Apple as well. We talked about mm-hmm. production quality. Mm-hmm. Hand <laughs> movements. 
Yeah. You want to, do you want to say anything here? For sure. I think we're kind of going to talk about the same thing. Like the production quality was interesting. It, it seemed like a much smaller room than usual. Like IO is at a huge stadium. Like it's outside on the stage and everything. It's like a concert, right? This felt very small and intimate. And as such, you could hear lots of background noise. Like, oh my coughs God. and shuffling and whispers Dude. and people dropping stuff. Because I think they had the audience mic'd for all the oohs and ahs, but it also caught <laughs> all of the shuffling and all the, the stuff sniffles in between. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, Marshall, have you seen... I know there's like a whole YouTube channel around it, but I think probably the most famous video is the metal ceremony from Star Wars. Yeah. Where they edited out the sound uh-huh. and they like dub in some like squeaks of shoes on the floor and uh-huh. like audience members coughing and stuff. It's movies without the music, right? This whole event reminded me of one of those videos. I was like, well, again, I watched the 13 minute edited version and I think they might have edited it very intentionally to feel like that. But my God, the edit just was strong movie without music vibes, which feels very awkward and uncomfortable. I think here's the thing, Marshall, is if you're going to create a room that feels cozy and intimate, it feels so disconnected to have the speakers staring into a camera, reading off a teleprompter, fairly monotone. There was like, I think one guy seemed kind of emotive. I think he was wearing the red shirt. Uh, Everybody else was just reading a teleprompter. And it feels so weird for that juxtaposition, right? You're in an intimate room. There's people sitting two feet away from you and you're looking into a teleprompter. Like the Apple in-person events from years past, they felt fine because it felt larger than life, right? The screen overpowered the presenter. It's it like was a concert, up- right? Is is more on the yeah. concert end of the spectrum. Yeah. So even if the person wasn't the best at delivery, it still felt like thematically correct that it was a marketing type event, right? And then Apple, I think they've solved that now where it's all pre-recorded. Also, they are able to edit it out mouth noises and stuff, uh-huh. you know, like just Bad weird shit yeah. that comes through in yep. live events. So anyways, I think that was my high level feel on the presentation is yeah. it just felt like a mismatch from the intimate look of how cozy the audience was to the blandness of a person reading off a teleprompter. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Enough time talking smack about Google. Let's get into the good stuff. Well, I, I have another couple of general notes. So, oh, well, okay. um, mainly one, which was we got to see a lot of the material design language, especially the animation, like the motion aspect in all of its glory and slide form and like lower thirds and transitions and stuff like with the editing that we haven't really seen before. It's really cool to see that extended, but they're really snappy. They're like super snappy with like quick jump cuts and like these really long settles. It's a unique motion language that that we don't really see elsewhere. It's kind of cool, especially like transitioning from different shapes. Like there was one moment where they're talking about photography or something, and it started with a person's face in a circle in the middle of a black screen with some text above. And that circle slowly got larger. And then all of a sudden it pops to a rectangle that's inset from the edges of the screen. And that slowly settles to fill the screen. So it's like this really sharp, quick jump cut from those shapes, but it still flows really nicely. It's like you're zooming in, but that slow settle makes it less jarring. You know what I mean? Anyways, it was cool seeing animation. I love watching animations there. Anywho, okay, let's let's get into the device things. First up, 
the phone. Um, one of the things, so I have a Pixel 6 Pro and the little Cyclops band for the camera across the back is a really nice design, but uh, I think they've really improved upon it here by continuing that metal bezel band that goes around the phone and acts as the antenna. And they continue that into the full back of the, the Cyclops bar, right? So before it was just kind of like a strut above and below, and the main body of that bar was glass in, inside of this metal frame. Now the whole frame and the whole body is metal with these pill-shaped glass cutouts for the cameras. Or I think it's pill in a circle. And it looks really beautiful. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think it looks fine. Again, I, I feel like they kind of just went all in on, okay, we're going to have a giant-ass camera. Let's at least make it sit in such a way that when your phone is resting on a table, it's not going to wobble, mm-hmm. which is my biggest complaint with the iPhones. Uh-huh. And it's gotten so much worse with the iPhone 14. So I, uh-huh. I upgraded from the 12 to the 14. And the bump and the wobble is ridiculously noticeable. I even have a case on, and the wobble is just comical like you still have a wobble with a case and you gotta get one of these oh snap little pop socket things yeah maybe i don't know i just have an apple case but anyways i like that their cyclops goes all in it does look integrated in fact as i was looking i'm like i wonder how they assemble it so that top plastic part is like really snug i think it's glass even i'm not even sure if it's plastic i think it might be oh maybe glass right right. the whole thing i mean the six is a really solid piece of hardware it's a good phone and this seems like a straightforward update to that gotcha okay yeah i've never held the six the the seven looks good i think the shiny can look really good in marketing pictures but they're gonna get real smudgy and fingerprinty so that's the only thing i wonder about that i've always preferred like the matte back phones in fact, I think my favorite phone, well, maybe the current iPhones aren't terrible, but the 11s, do you remember the iPhone 11s? Had like the sandblasted glass texture on the back. That was my favorite one. Really? Um, let me, I'm taking my case off now. Really? The, 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 the current one now is fine. It's actually not smudgy or fingerprinty on the back, but that's because it's got kind of a matte feel to it. So that's the only thing I wonder. But Well, and here's the thing I don't like about it, that, that matte feel. It's not grippy at all. Like with it's the glass slippery. back, yeah. you can, yeah, sure, you get fingerprint smudges on it. Who cares? It's the back of your phone. Like you can get fingerprints on the front of it too, but like, that's true. That's at, true. at least you can hold on to it if it starts to slip. Like <laughs> your finger pads actually stick to yeah. the back. Yeah. Okay. I have no complaints with how it looks. Then. I would like to hold one in person, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, next movie night, I'll let you check out my six. Well, are you going to get the seven? Uh, probably. Yeah. Okay. And but let's talk about a couple of the things. So they introduced Face Unlock, their version of Face ID, but they also have the underscreen fingerprint reader in the seven, right? Yeah, so like, man. Best of both worlds. I feel like they got the tiny hole punch. They got Face ID. They got underscreen fingerprint. They're like checking all of these boxes. Dead center hole punch too, right? Not off to the side. Like I, yeah. I think it looks better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks really nice. I, I mean, it looks way better than the Dynamic Island. To be yeah. The Dynamic Island is like novel and interesting. Yeah, when it's just a little circle, it's great. And actually, speaking of Dynamic Island, I noticed that, and maybe this wasn't in the shortcut that you watched, but when you do Face ID, there's a little ring that goes around that cutout to let you know like, hey, I'm active. I'm doing something up here. I imagine something similar happens when you're on a, a video call or you know, using that front-facing camera. The last thing that I put down on the phone is, I don't know, Apple, they have this method where they kind of let other companies 
try ideas first. And then Apple comes along and does it the Apple way, which is usually high production quality, very polished, nice interactions, all that good stuff. Uh, but there, so, so anyways, a lot of Android users, I think, see, watch Apple events and they're like, this is old news. I've had this for forever. Oh, 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 oh. It wasn't in the cut that you watched, I don't think. But they had a whole moment where he was like, Pixel has led on all of these different features. And he basically rattled off everything that was announced at the iPhone 14 event saying, Look, we did that in 2011. We did that in 2017, whatever. But yeah, they do actually call out like, hey, we did a lot of these things first. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. I guess when I see little things in Android or, or like the Google ecosystem, it's always do these little things. I'm like, damn, I wish I was in that ecosystem. And the one for me this time, this is so dumb. It's so small. But they added transcriptions to voice memos in messaging. And it just made me, it just reminded me of how bad iMessage voice memos are. Do you use that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I Well, I mean, they're incredibly frustrating to use. But yes, I use them. But just these little things like, yeah, hey, we should transcribe it, right? Like the tech is already there. They transcribe your voicemails. Just transcribe this other piece of audio that I actually want to read, right? Like it's in this conversational context. I might be walking without headphones or in a crowded room. Just like, let me read what somebody sent to me. Um, and so it's cool to see that in the voice memos on Android whatever version this is. Mm -hmm. They even had the uh, speaker detection, recognizing two separate voices and then allowing you to label those. So if you're doing an interview or something, you have your entire transcript um, yeah. denoted by person. Pretty cool. It's lots of cool stuff, Marshall, but as I like go through it, I just realize how biased I am. Like I'm so biased. <laughs> I'm just an Apple fanboy, just uh -huh. a shill, right? Like all the Android stuff is cool, but there's nothing here that can convince me to like switch over. It's not bad. I mean, I have, like I said, I have a Pixel Six Pro. I know. I have, I have a, I have had plenty of Android phones. Um, never had an Android tablet. Well, okay. Ooh, I guess well, I had Android phones. Never had the watch. Never had a tablet. Um, they're fine. Well, now that you mentioned the tablet, should we jump to that? We have the watch next, but we can do tablet first. Yeah, sure. Let's do the tablet. Okay. Isn't that dock super fucking clever? Okay. Well, for people who didn't see it, you should explain this because yes, it's freaking awesome. Okay. The way that, okay. So the way they set it up was most of the time your tablet doesn't leave the home. It's kind of like a home device. You move it around from room to room, but like you're not really bringing it with you out into the world. So why not make it dockable? And oh, while we're at it, while it's docked, you can use it as a better speaker for whatever you're watching. And you can bring your tablet around. You can have multiple docks in different rooms. So it's charging while it's docked. It seemed really, really clever. I have a couple questions or a couple uh, uncertainties about it. What are your thoughts, though? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I It reminded me a lot of Facebook's portal. Yeah, right? but this, like if you could pull the screen off of it. But yeah. if you could pull the screen off, which is like people who have had the portal say it's a good device. But I'm always like, this is insane that they give you this big ass flat screen tablet device and it's mounted to this thing that is forced to sit in this one position on your in your home. Looks pretty big, right? You're not going to like carry it around. Um, and they're like, no, okay, well, how about you can just pull it off and then it becomes a tablet. And when it's docked, it charges and acts as a speaker. Like, it's awesome. This is great. I'm really surprised Apple hasn't done this. Yeah. Like, well, the, I'm wondering if uh, the next big home the pod. The next home pod or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, because Apple has invested in docked experiences, right? Like, they had lots of old audio players for the iPod and stuff that you'd you could mount, I think, what their original like hi-fi speaker system yeah. was like really designed around the iPod, and it was 
beautiful. It was so cool. Yeah, you could dock and, your iPad. There was a whole range of like entire products that had the that thirty pin connector that you could drop it into, like bedside yeah. alarm clock radio things. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of those were pretty ugly, but there was a few yeah, that were really. Uh, you go um, to a hotel that hasn't updated the, <laughs> yeah. the rooms in a while. Yeah, you see those. Yeah, it's like the what year is this? Uh, anyways, um, very clever, very smart. It makes me wonder, like, again, it's small things like this that I've never had a Facebook portal, but it seems like this kills the portal, right? Like, why would you buy a portal if you can have this? Presumably, I know the portal does like the center stage stuff or to like follow you around, but Apple has center stage. I assume that Google will have center stage or some equivalent if they don't already have it and I just don't know about it. Uh, and then the same thing for the iPad, right? Like the the iPad magic keyboard exactly. Is Dope. It's yeah. so awesome. Just without hey, a speaker. I don't always need the keyboard. Right. <laughs> and I kind of use it like this, right? Where my magic keyboard stays on my desk plugged in and I just grab my iPad off the top of it with the pencil and I walk that around the house and bring it to the couch or whatever. But the stand, the keyboard rarely gets unplugged, rarely leaves my desk. And that would be how this is. Like you have your kitchen dock, you have your nightstand dock, whatever. Yeah. Super clever. I, I wonder if Apple will it. do something similar because uh, they're well positioned. I mean, even the connector looked very similar, like four little yeah. dots, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, they also, one last thing is they mentioned that they tuned the magnets so that the docking and undocking process is easy. And I'm curious to see or feel what the ratio of like magnet strength to dock weight is, right? Like, is the dock just super heavy? And that's how it doesn't get pulled across the table when you take the tablet off. Or uh, are the magnets kind of weak? If if that's the case, like how to get, you know, is it hard to get it situated into place? Yeah. I'm curious to see. Yeah, it's right. such an interesting problem. And I feel like with the Magic Keyboard and the iPad Pro, or I guess just the iPad, uh, it's a really strong magnet. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's very a little strong. bit hard to pull off. You got you to like, pull it at an off. angle, you know, you got to get one but, edge up. You can't just pull it straight off. That's right. That's right. I would say if I could have what I wanted, which I don't know if they would do, is I would want a really heavy dock. I would want that speaker to be fucking. That's what I'm saying. Locked onto the table, rubber feet. One hand, pull that bad boy off. Full traction. Yeah. The magnet should be so strong that if it's docked and I'm tapping on it, there's no movement, right? So it's like you want the best of both. I think the only way you can get there is strong magnet plus heavy dock. Well, they showed someone grabbing it off of the dock and it looked very seamless. The dock didn't budge and it didn't look like there was a bunch of resistance to pull it away. There didn't seem like a snap or pop as it came off, right? So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see or curious to feel more specifically. But okay, that's it. Are you going to get the dock? Um, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get it. Like I assume somebody at work will get it and I'll, I'll check it out in the office when I go in. But here's another thing that I'm curious about is the sound projection. So the speaker, I think the footprint is kind of pill-shaped, but it goes up and the top is angled. So as you can imagine, your tablet, when it docks to it, is at a a slight tilt back. But that means that it kind of has this wedge shape while it's um, undocked. And actually, now that I think of it, it reminds me of the old Google Home shape where it kind of had this sheer cut on the top. It was this teardrop kind of shape with a a cutoff. Anyways, uh, when you put the tablet on the dock, the chin of the tablet kind of sticks out below and obscures that front face of the speaker of, of the dock itself. So I wonder how the sound is being projected. Like, are they kind of projecting down so that it bounces off the f- surface of the table 
I think that's what the HomePod minis do or something. Like they use the the surface as a projection method or something. Anyways, but yeah, I'm kind of curious if it sounds muffled or if uh, I'm sure they've accounted for that. But interesting design detail there. <laughs> design detail. Hey. All right. You want to do the watch? Yeah, on to the watch. Okay. So first off, it's very everything is very circular in the design language, right? I think they even mentioned that they modeled it after a dewdrop. But yeah, a round face, so not the rounded rectangle that we're used to on the Apple Watch. It's a, a circular face. But it does have a digital crown. That digital crown is centered on the right, which is nice. It's not kind of up high uh, on the side like it is on the Apple Watch. And they do have a side button, similar to the Apple Watch, but instead of being below the crown, it is above the crown. But all of the on-screen stuff is very circular or, or lends to that dew drop kind of metaphor. Um, list items are pill-shaped, and they kind of scale up to the center and then scale down as you scroll them vertically. Even the the scroll indicator next to the digital crown has a slight curve to it to follow the perimeter of that, that you know, circular face, which is a nice little touch. I don't know if you noticed that. That was one of my favorite details. Oh, yes. cool, 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 cool. But yeah, uh, I'm kind of curious what you think. I, I thought it was interesting how they took the existing Material 3 design language and, and extended it to this circular face and like really made it feel like at home there because Material is generally pretty rectangular even though now everything is pill shaped it's very boxy right boxes and uh-huh. boxes. so yeah how do you fit something into a circle it's a tough problem it feels like that's the one big trade-off right all the other ui is actually pretty nice and circular and i feel like apple realized this too right all of apple's complications and even now on the iphone everything is going circular radial like the new carplay design iphone home screen widgets apple watch complications like it all works it's really beautiful it's fun it feels friendly it feels very human organic so like wonderful but all the screens where they were showing you scrolling a list felt terrible like scrolling a list of calendar events and stuff and they're like just kind of clipping off the corners and stuff they do some stuff where like, yeah, it's scaling in and out, but like just the clipping of the corners is just bad. And it makes me think Apple just made the other choice, right? They're like, well, there will be enough cases where you're looking at lists of things that we want this to feel harmonious with the hardware. Whereas the Pixel Watch just doesn't like it never has because just got these lists of things that just get clipped. Um, but when you're not in a list, everything else looks pretty good. I'd be curious to see what this looks like on wrists, like it's always hard to tell in the marketing photos. It doesn't look super thick or anything. Like it doesn't look Apple Watch ultra thick. But the way that the the marketing, what do you call it? Like the the sheen on, on the front glass. So just a, a flush, straightforward shot of the watch makes it look really thick just because of the way the gradient on the glass gives it the perception of, you know, being bubble-like. So anyways, I don't know. That's just an observation. I don't know that it's good or bad, but it just makes it look thicker than it might actually be. Or like well, more yeah. bubbly than it might actually be. Or like almost as though the, the whole thing is almost dome-like and I don't really well, want to interact with the dome. that's the dewdrop thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe it feels good, right? Nice, smooth. Maybe, but in the middle, wouldn't it feel like your finger is further away from the interface? Depends on, yeah, how, how the screen projects through the glass, if it feels like it's behind the glass or on the glass. Because, I mean, that 
rounding might actually lend to the scaling on the screen. Yeah, uh, it looked cool. Uh, I've never had a Pixel Watch. Again, I think the watch is the one thing where you kind of got to be all in on the ecosystem. Exactly. Otherwise, it makes sense to mix and match, right? Yes. Yep, 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 yep. But I do think like the, the Pixel line, like looking at that line, it's very cohesive. It's beautiful, right? Seeing all those devices next to each other. And they don't look particularly copy and paste, right? Like that watch looks very unique. It doesn't look like an Apple watch. It, it looks like a unique thing. The tablet is is doing unique things. The phone is doing some unique things. So I don't know. Uh, I was really stoked to see. But yeah, when you look at it, it's like, okay, well, if I get this and I kind of want to get that and I kind of want to get that, they all work really well together as a trio in the same way that the Apple ecosystem, it all works well together. You got to kind of be all in. Yep. Yeah. And that's the downside, right? Like these are the, it's just too hard to experience both ecosystems. So you got to choose one and then you just kind of live with it for a while. Like, and then the switching costs grow and grow and grow. I mean, it's brilliant design from like a capitalist point of view, right? Like incredible lock-in in exchange for great user experience. So I don't know. Okay. Cool. Well, that's the Pixel 7 event. Yeah. Maybe let us know if we miss anything for any, anyone who is listening and, and watched, like let us know if some details we might've missed. And uh, yeah, if we get our hands on some devices, we can do some follow-up pup. Sweet. Cool things? Cool things. I, mine's not really a cool thing, Marshall. I just <laughs> wanted to talk about Overwatch 2. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. It's out. It is. I feel... Have you played it? Uh, no, I haven't. You'd think I, I would have because I yeah, played I the fuck out of the first one. But no, I yeah, haven't played Luc- it Yeah, Lucio Boy. Um, yeah. It's a really, really, really weird game because... It is Overwatch 1. It's not a new game. And for me, it's my first, not my first, but I guess I didn't really know what a battle pass was, but now I know what a battle pass is. And I learned that every game has a battle pass and that that's like a thing. It's a pattern now, right? You play the game, you earn experience points, you level up. In exchange for leveling it up, you get rewards like cosmetics. And then after a certain period of time, the battle pass resets. And the monetization strategy is you can pay to fast track the battle pass. You can just buy levels instead of playing the game and getting experience. It's crazy. Like, it's so unrewarding. <laughs> like, it's just fucking grind and grind and grind. Of course, people are going to want to just throw $5 at the problem. Well, I mean, in this case, it's all cosmetics. You don't actually get any gameplay advantage, which, thank God, otherwise this game would be terrible. Um, so I don't mind if people want to pay for the cosmetics, but then I'm like, if that is the sense of progression, because they they removed all the other senses of progression, basically. Like the SR system got re- reworked. You don't even see an SR number. You see like a, a rank. Oh, yeah. You yeah. only get Bronze to see your rank change after gold. every... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. But you only get to see your rank change after every seven wins. And seven right. wins could be two hours or something. Seven wins and 20 losses, right? You go up one seven every wins seven. Or, or 20 losses, yeah. Yeah. 20 losses. Like a game is, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes. So that's three to four hours of gameplay. Uh-huh. And seven wins, you know, a couple hours of gameplay. Mm-hmm. If you're winning every if game. If you're winning every single round. Which if you're winning every single happen. one, that's like two hours. Yeah. And that is the feedback loop I care about. And it is so drawn out and so opaque. But the per game feedback loop is literally just earning experience in this battle pass to earn like a spray or something. Well, know. dude, SR always It made me so really bad. sad. SR felt bad too. <laughs> This feels bad. I'm like, God damn, does everything just feel bad? <laughs> yeah, you'd you'd win and be like, okay, I'm going to watch the number go up. And it would go up like three points. And you'd lose one game and you'd watch it go down like 20 points. Like, what the fuck is happening here? When I, when I win, 
I gain yeah. so little when I lose, I lose so much. SR sucked. So uh, I'd be think... happy to have like a, a known number of like, oh, I'm getting close to the threshold here rather than just like, I wonder what the random number will be. Look, I, I'm no game designer, right? I think the problem with the previous SR system was if you lost, it always felt like you lost a lot. And if you won, it always felt like you earned very few SR points. But the way that they reworked it in Overwatch 2 is now I think they calibrate you more on individual gameplay. So like they will calibrate your gameplay relative to other players yes, of that role and, as it and should people be. around you. Yes. Right? Yeah. If you just, lost but you played well, you should be rewarded. Yeah. Which seems like if they just did that really well but kept the SR score, then it would solve both problems, right? Like I feel rewarded for playing well in that when I lose, maybe I only lose a couple SR or maybe... What if you could gain SR for mm-hmm. losing? I don't know. That'd be yeah, crazy. exactly. But if no, you had like a crazy good be. game, that should be right. If I carry, but we still lose, like I don't, I shouldn't lose points. I shouldn't go down in the rankings. Yeah. Now, this is how it should have always been. Anyways, not really a cool thing, but I just thought I'd mention Overwatch too. I don't know if folks out there are playing it. I played it. Uh, I put in some hours since it came out last Tuesday, despite the downtime and queue times. I don't know. It's fun. I like Overwatch a lot. It's just such a weird thing to rebrand a game as overwatch 2 and there's nothing new nope they reskinned some characters there's some new characters but they could very easily have done that with like a 1.6 or something like that but it's a lot less flashy the coolest thing that they did was they redid all the audio and the maps are super immersive like your gunshots sort of bounce off the environment um so if you you're shooting in a tunnel it sounds different than if you're shooting in an open air environment it's really cool i like that part a lot Um, but again that should have been a point release right yeah okay that's my my topic for this week. What All you right, got? cool thing. Uh, my cool thing is something I discovered. I doubt it's new. I just stumbled into it. Um, I've talked about my hearing a lot. and I, Oh, man, I've got this new bedtime ritual where it's cold enough now that I can have my weighted blanket. And then I found uh, there's a spa playlist on Apple Music that is, you know, if you've ever gotten a professional massage, the kind of like, synthy soothing ambient uh it's not even music i guess it's music there's chords but like the sounds that play so soothing so for the last several nights i've been going to bed listening to spa sounds with my weighted blanket and i fall asleep immediately interesting but during the day i've been playing around with you know like background noise or whatever to to deal with my tinnitus and stop the ringing in my ears or just have something in the background right i usually have fans on or listening to music or something but when I'm not listening to music, I, f- I was I was going through the accessibility stuff and I stumbled upon, if you go to settings, accessibility, audio, visual, and then background sounds, there's like, you could play background sounds all the time. There's six choices. There's balanced noise, which is just like a, right? There's bright noise, which is a higher kind of a sound. And then dark noise, which is a lower, right? Then ocean rain and stream and I've, I've been listening to ocean you can turn it on and it plays all the time here's here's the kind of problem is like it always plays whether you have headphones in <laughs> uh, your okay. phone you can turn it you can there's a setting to say uh when the phone is locked that it will stop but like if your phone is locked but you have headphones in like i want to keep it on but there's nothing about headphones so what i've done is i've mapped it to the accessibility shortcut which is triple clicking the side button which is also in the accessibility settings towards the bottom. Accessibility shortcut, you can set that to background sound. So now when I want to listen to the ocean or just have like that background noise, I can triple click my side button and I triple click again to turn it off. Super convenient. And I didn't even know it existed. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So is it helping with the tinnitus? Because I have 
very, very bad tinnitus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps a lot. Plus, it's super soothing, like hearing the ocean or hearing the rain. I don't know. It's just this really same thing with like the spa stuff. It's, it's like triggers this very, I don't know, primal, comfy feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Anyways, that's my cool thing. Okay. Background cool. sounds. Cool thing. Who knew? Who knew? All right. Well, this has been episode 449 of the Design Details Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. As always, we're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Hit us up. Send us a message. Tweet at us. We love hearing from you. If you are enjoying the show and hear more uh, design details in your ears, go to patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month, just a buck a month, you can get access to the sidebar. You can get access to the sidebar. Can you get access to the sidebar? You can get access to the sidebar. Oh. You can get access to the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. <laughs> I thought you were having a gotcha. malfunction. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was like, no, I was just waiting one. for you. I, yeah, I, I thought, left the uh, little yeah, gap. Sorry, sorry. You can get access to the sidebar. <laughs> sidebar, sidebar. Uh, uh, that's bonus content. All right, that's it. We're out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. You can tap anywhere on any part of the camera, anywhere on that dynamic island, and it will react. It'll do a little scale up, right? It'll, it'll do a little bump, a little bump out, a little bulge. <laughs> bulge. It'll, it'll do a little pulse, a little, uh, uh-huh. fuck, what's the right word that doesn't sound sexual? <laughs> <laughs> a little bouncy-roo? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. got to be a stinger. <laughs> I know. That, I think that's a stinger. Fuck. <laughs>